Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Wow, so excited to be here. Yes, 10 years. Um, man, it's, it, it has gone by extremely fast. Uh, it's hard to believe we've been down there 10 years. Uh, we come back every time, and there's so many new people, and, uh, but we love every opportunity that we have to, to come and to be with our family. We're excited to be here today, and uh, last month, we were up uh, getting our daughter settled into college life, and she's in Florida, and now we're empty nesters, so we're trying to figure that out. Uh, she was the last one in the house. And it's, uh, it's been, it's, honestly, it's been a huge adjustment for us, and uh, we're excited about this new season of, of life for us, but we're sad at the, t- at the same time. Uh, I'm sure there's some empty nesters out there that know what that feels like. Entonces, uh, I was going to say, start speaking in Spanish. Um, so we miss our baby girl, we miss all of our kids and grandkids, and, and that's really the hardest part about being so far away. Uh, and we, uh, we absolutely miss our Tree of Life family. Um, so the last few months have been really challenging for us. And as I know, for most people all over the world, it's just, you know, it's been a difficult time. Obviously we face some situations in ministry that, that we've never had to face. And we've been in the kind of in this stretching phase, it seems like, and, and, uh, it seems like we're always in the stretching phase. Anyone else feel like that? feels like, man, yeah, God's stretching us. And it's like, when is it going to stop? And so our, st- our city is still under some uh, very limiting restrictions, and it's, it's been devastating economically, economically for Mexico, especially since the government uh, doesn't, hasn't given any type of uh, assistance for businesses or for individuals. And, and I've got uh, you know, so many people struggling in our church. I even have professionals, lawyers that, that, that are out of work and, and, that are, and that are out making food, selling it on the streets just to, just to get by. So we are walking in faith like never before uh, to keep our doors open and to continue to minister to the lost and those in need in our city. Our urban ministries team is back on the streets. Uh, actually, last month, um, we started back in the colonias that we work in, and, and uh, we have, we've had a couple of events this past month and with over 100 people who have given their lives to Christ, so we're excited about that. <clears throat> Amen. And they're booked the rest of this month, and they're booked in November already. So we've got uh, our, and it's kind of funny how that whole thing came about. But although although things are somewhat still closed, our church is very much open. La Iglesia no se detiene, and that's kind of our slogan at Arbol de Vida that nothing stops the church. So so many of you guys have given and partnered with us financially. Tree of Life, you've just been absolutely amazing. Uh, you've helped us feed a little over 200 families for six months. Uh, and an orphanage, two rehab centers. We've given over nine tons of food, which for us is gigantic. And God continues to provide for the ministry. So thank you for being a blessing. Thank you for being a tree of life. And uh, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support has been, honestly, it's been critical during this, during this time. And, and uh, we still are pretty much shut down down there. Um, we don't have the limitations, or we have more limitations than you guys have right now, so it's, it's, it's been challenging. But thank you for praying for us. Thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting us and all that you do uh, to partner with us and, and get the gospel message out in our city and in the colonias and, and to the people that are just desperate right now and need God, you need an encounter with God. So we've been able to do that. 
Um, a lot of things happening, and we're looking forward to the next few months to see how, uh, how our ministry is going to adapt and change so that we can reach more people and so that ministry doesn't stop. And so that is our heart. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about my message today because it's pretty much, it's pretty much my life message. And I think, uh, I think all of us kind of maybe have a life message. And I know that, that here in this place, there's a lot of different stories. Everyone has a story. And I'm sure like my life, there are chapters of our life that are, that are good and great and some chapters that you wish you could rewrite. <laughs> right? Anyone else besides me wish that? Yeah. And, and, and so I have a few of those. But one thing I've learned over the years is that in God's plan, every story, every chapter has a purpose has a purpose. And, and, and you may not be called to be up here to preach behind a pulpit, but we're all called to share the goodness of what God has done in our life with others, right? And, and I think about the greatest story ever told that God so loved the world that he sent his only son who put on human flesh and came to us, was born in a manger, and, and, and that he was the light of the world. And he came and he gave his life and he died for your sins and my sins. And his story needs to be a prevalent part of who we are as we share our story with others, and I don't think we share our story enough. And Jesus has, called, has uh, Jesus is called to be the light of the world. He's called us to be the light of the world. And, and I don't know about your story, but my story has been pretty messy over the years, especially as a teenager and young adult. And uh, I'm sure my brothers probably fills you in on several fun stories over the years. But you know, I have a couple of Jerry Springer chapters in my book, uh, mess after mess in my life. And and if there's one thing I I've learned, it's how to turn my mess into my message. And so that's actually the title of the message today, turning your mess into your message. And I, and I think that just, I think that probably resonates with all of us. And uh, because too many times we face messes in life and, and we feel like we're the victim and, and we're, and we say like, Oh God, why? I, I don't understand. Help God get me out of this mess. And, and I'm going to name some names, some Bible characters. And, uh, and I want you to think of, of what they're known for. Um, so if I said, David, what comes to mind? Well, Bathsheba's one, but Goliath, right? <laughs> I mean, he literally a big mess, but obviously uh, Bathsheba, she has a big mess also. So uh, Jonah, if, if I say Jonah, well, he was in a whale of a mess, obviously. <laughs> yeah, my daughter laughs at all my jokes, so it doesn't matter what you guys think. No. <laughs> what about Daniel? Talk about Daniel. <laughs> Lion's Den, right? I mean, definitely a mess. <laughs> what if I said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Thrown into the... That's a pretty hot mess. So <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs> and what about Abraham? Think about Abraham. Now, I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm kind of thinking more like trying to make a baby when he's old. Uh, you know, that's a, I'm not going to say anything more about that. But, uh, but and Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and the list goes on and on. Joshua, Moses, Moses had the Red Sea in front of him and the armies of Pharaoh behind him. And, and, but all of these heroes of the faith, these people that we look to and ascribe to, they were God's soldiers of the faith. And they're known because of the obstacles that they overcame. They're known because they were in the middle of a mess, and they leaned upon God, and they overcame, and their, their story inspires us and teaches us still today. And I believe that all of us have various degrees of mess, right? And how many of you would say right now that I'm experiencing some kind of mess in my life? Yeah, you don't want to raise your hand, do you? You're probably sitting right next to you, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But, but you're in good company. 
<laughs> Don't feel like you're in good company. So how do we respond when the messes of life come, uh, when we fall or, or, or fail and we're facing just some difficulties, tragedies, and heartaches? And if you're taking notes with us today, the first big point is this. When we see an obstacle, God sees an opportunity. When we see an obstacle, God sees an opportunity. And, 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 and when we see an obstacle and we're going, man, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to deal with this. I, I can't see over. I can't see around. I can't go under. And I, I, I don't know what to do. And God looks at it and he says, hey, this is an opportunity for me to show you my goodness and my faithfulness. Right? And now, the definition of an obstacle is this. Obstacles are something that impedes progress or achievement. And all of us have faced those situations. But I love the definition of an opportunity. An opportunity is a good chance for advancement or progress. This obstacle is really an opportunity. It's a good chance for advancement or progress. It's, it's going to grow our faith. It's going to build our trust in God. It's, it's going to show the world that, that God is alive and working in us. And listen, God shines the brightest in the realm of impossible, right? And we want to let him shine through us. And point number two, if you're taking notes, God will turn our pain into another person's gain. God will turn our pain into another person's gain. And I love that. God will take the messes of our life, the pains of our life, the difficulties of our life, and he'll convert that to help us help somebody else gain and move ahead and forward in life. I love that. That is so true. And, and, and you know, example, here, here's what happens. Those of you that have experienced divorce, you know, you know the heartache, you know the bitterness, you know the, the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties and all the emotions and the anxieties and, and the fears and the tension and all those dynamics. And, and when you hear about somebody else going through a divorce, you're like, oh man, I, I, I got to go help them. I got to go help my brother out. I, I know what he's going through. I got to go help my sister out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help her get through this, Right? And I think about my story, my wife's story. Some of you know our, our testimony, and we were both uh, previously married. I was a father and husband at 19. My wife was a mother and wife at 17. And we have, we have a blended family, hers, mine, and ours. And we were both teenagers. We didn't know anything about marriage, being a parent. And, but, and then we got divorced, and thank God we found each other. And, and, but we know what that's like. I mean, we know what that's like dealing with exes, being a step-parent, all the dynamics of divorce, remarriage, blended family. But, but, but today, that's, that's like one of our strengths. We've helped lots of blended families. We, lots of people going through divorce or second marriages, and we know that stuff. <laughs> we know it better than anybody. We got the scars, and we li- we've lived to tell about it. You know what I'm saying? Right? And it's so funny, when I was on staff here, you know, the statistics for marriage in our country is like, you know, 50% divorce rate. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, and it's not any different in the church world, <laughs> it's pretty much the same. And I remember we had a lot of couples that needed marriage counseling, second marriages, uh, and they all, uh, they all got sent to my wife and I. It's like, hey, we got another one. <laughs> what? Divorce. <laughs> We're getting remarried. I right, send them to Pastor Jeff and Sylvia. <laughs> and so, so if you, if you counseled with us back then, I, I hope you're still married. <laughs> and uh, I think our counseling t- technique back then was uh, like two words, you know, stop it. <laughs> Sometimes four, stop it, you idiot. <laughs> we, we've gotten a lot better since then. So, uh, but <laughs> and now, now our, our, our technique is more like, hey, we love you. Stop it, you idiot. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. And, 
or am I? <laughs> and, uh, but we've successfully gone through all of that. And actually our hearts, our, our hearts are drawn to, to people in those situations. And that's what, you, that's what happens uh, when you've gone through something, when you've got, uh, when you've got a, a life story, and, or maybe you've faced the C word, cancer. And you've walked through that, and you've been through the chemo, the radiation, and you hear somebody else that's going through that, and your heart is just drawn to them, and you're like, man, I, I need to help them. I need to be there for them. But when you face the mess and live to tell about it, something in your heart, and you know what I'm saying, something in your heart is drawn towards that. It's drawn towards people who are facing that. And starting a church in Mexico from nothing, from scratch, man, was the, absolutely the hardest thing that we have ever experienced, and it, it was difficult it's still difficult. We've seen financial hardships, betrayals by the people closest to us, attacks left and right, but God has protected us. He's been faithful. And so whenever I hear of another person that's, that's going to plant a church or struggling with the pressures of, of being a pastor in Mexico, and, and they'll, they'll send me a text, hey man, can we get together? Could I ask you some questions? And I'm not sure what to do about this. And I'm like, man, yes, absolutely. We're going to, we'll get together and I'll help you any way that I can. I can, tell, I can. I can definitely tell you what not to do. I can tell you, I can tell you how to do this and don't ever do that. And this is what we did. And, and I don't advise that. And, 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 I, and this year I'm, I'm excited because I've got three pastors in Rama this year, our ministry training program. And we got students from their churches. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help them get through whatever it is that they're, that they're facing. And I heard Rick Warren say this years ago, and I love this. It's always stuck with me. I heard him say, God won't waste a wound or hurt. God won't waste a wound or a hurt. And that is so true. And, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He didn't, he didn't cause it. He didn't create it. He didn't condone it. But he can use it. Do you realize that? He can use it. And so I think of the word empathy. And, and I love this definition because this is what we're talking about. And empathy is the capacity to understand what another person has experienced from within the other person's frame of reference. For example, the, the capacity to place oneself in another's shoes. To know what that feels like, to have empathy and an, under, and an understanding. And it, it's like my wife and I, if you've never gone through a divorce, if you've never had to be a step-parent, if you've never uh, been married a second time, man, you, you know, you, you can feel bad for them. You can, you can be sorry for what they're going through, but your understanding is not the same as the person who's walked in those shoes. Créeme. Estás conmigo? You know what I'm saying? Because they know the feelings and they know the, the emotions, the struggles, the challenges, and they have kind of the inside track of how to help that person, how to minister to that person. And I say that because there's purpose in your mess, in your story. You can add, you can add this to your notes. We're called to the cause because we're connected to the crisis. We're called to the cause because we're connected to the crisis. And you don't have to pay me to talk to another pastor about planting a church in, in, in another country. It's something I'm, I'm drawn to because I, I want to help them. Or someone that's going through divorce or has a blended family, I'm drawn to those things. You don't have to pay somebody who's gone through a, a son or daughter running away from God and, and breaking off relationship with, with mom and dad. And you don't have to beg that mom or dad uh, for advice uh, or help when they hear of a friend or neighbor whose son has, or daughter has, has gone over the wall, so to speak. And, and they're just drawn to help that family because they know what you're going through. You know, it, it's like, man, I, I know the fears that you're facing. I've walked in your shoes and, and you're drawn to that crisis to help people out. And, this, and, and it's not just about us overcoming an obstacle, uh, a habit, a mess, or a challenge, or a tragedy. It's about us being the answer for people in, in next week's crisis, next year's obstacle or season of life, to help and assist them. Are you guys here? Number three, the mess 
is a part of the process that leads to our progress. The mess is a part of the process that leads to our progress. And, and what are you saying? What do you mean? What we view as a mess, God, see as, as God sees as progress. And too many times we, we curse the process, the process of God bringing us through something. And we have to begin to view things differently. And we have to understand that this process is taking us to a better place. It's, it's growing us and it's, it's expanding us. And l- let me give you an example of Jesus and his relationship with Simon Peter. Luke 22, this is before Jesus is going before the courts. It's hours and days before he's going to be crucified. And he says this, Simon, 22, verse 31 through 34, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. He's talking about separating the chaff from the wheat. It's a process. It's a, it's a messy process of separating that. Look what he says, verse 32, but I have pleaded in, your, in prayer for you, Simon. And let's stop right there because uh, we, need to, we need to see and understand that the Son of God is going to pray for you. And, and look what he prays. Simon, I'm going to pray for you that your faith should not fail. I love that because he, he didn't pray. I mean, if you'll notice, he didn't pray. Hey, I, so I'm going to pray that the enemy doesn't get you. Uh, he didn't pray. I'm going to stop the sifting. He didn't pray. I'm going to pray that you won't be hurt. He didn't pray. Uh, he didn't pray that, that, that you won't cuss and swear in the middle of this mess. Because ultimately he did a few hours later and Jesus even tells him in the next few verses what the mess is going to be. Peter's like, I know, Lord, I'm with you, man. I got your back. Remember? That's what he says in the next uh, verse 33, 34. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to be in a big mess of denial and rejection that you ever knew me. But look at what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to pray that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I'm not going to allow this mess to, uh, I'm going to allow this mess to happen in your life. I'm not going to stop it. I'm going to allow this mess to happen. And here's why I'm going to allow it to happen because I want your faith to grow. If I stop this mess now, you're going to face other messes. And if I don't let you walk this out by faith, you're not going to know how to approach the circumstances and problems of life. That's what he's saying right there. So, so Jesus is like, man, so I'm going to let you experience this. And when you experience it, I want you to take those experiences, the rejection, the shame, the guilt, the despair that you felt when you denied me three times. And I looked at you and you went, oh my gosh, I did what he said I was going to do. How could I reject Christ? That feeling of, of I'm worthless, I'm scum, and I can never do anything for the kingdom of God. And I want you to remember that mess. And I want you to, and I want you to strengthen and encourage the brothers that go through that same kind of mess. And if we go on down to 1 John chapter 5, it says this, verse 4 and 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith in God, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, will not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things that he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. And it's by faith, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's by faith that we come to him. And it's by faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the, we see the heroes of faith. They overcame their obstacles by faith in God. Verse five, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe or have faith that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus said in in John 16, he said, verse 33, he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You'll have many trials and sorrows. Woohoo, put that on your refrigerator. (laughs) 
Welcome to Tree of Life. We're here to encourage you and bless you. <laughs> you have many trials and sorrows, man. We're, yeah, yeah, we're just doing what Jesus said. We're having trials and sorrows, and this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and have trials and sorrows. <laughs> but let's look at the rest of the verse. Jesus said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In the middle of divorce, an emotional breakdown, bankruptcy, job layoff, kids running from God, husband or, or wife being unfaithful, a migraine headache, a, a bad medical report, a flat tire on the way to work, the crash of your hard drive and you got no backup or a COVID shutdown and everybody's afraid to go back to church. <laughs> Will your faith stand? That's the challenge question. Will your faith stand? Number four, we turn our focus from the mess to the Messiah. We have to keep our eyes on, on, on Jesus. And if we're looking at our problem, if we're looking at our mess, it, it's always going to steer us off course. Always. NASCAR drivers will tell you that the key to racing a race car is to always be looking through the upper third of your windshield. Because if you're looking at the lower portion of the windshield, uh, you're looking at the nose of the car. And if you're looking at the nose of the car, what, what you see there is, is really not accurate, and you're going too fast to react. So they, so they say that you have to look at, at where you want to go. You have to look ahead because of the speed uh, you're moving. You have to look far ahead, and, and you'll, steer, you'll steer looking into the distance. And listen, we have to look beyond the mess that we're in and keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. Amen? We have to look to him as our, as our confident, and as we do, we'll steer towards him and not steer towards the mess. Isaiah 26, verse 3, says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So we keep our eyes on the answer and not on the problem. Point number five, start acting like the victor instead of the victim. Start acting like the victor instead of the victim. I mean, we're, we're good at acting like the victim. We have a lot of professional victims in the world today. It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. I don't understand. And then we blame it on our, on our situation in life. Well, I, I'm in this mess because I'm poor. I'm in this mess because of the, the color of my skin. I'm in this mess because I'm rich. I'm in this mess because I'm uneducated. I'm in this mess because I'm educated. And I already know it's going to happen. <laughs> right? And we come up with all these excuses uh, on the what's and the why's. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, man, where you are in life, yeah, it's, it's messy. And it's not necessarily any better than anybody else's seat in the house. Hello? <laughs> I'm in or ouch. But we always wrestle with this, this wishful thinking and wish we could be somebody else. And, and nobody escapes it. But we're all going to face the trials and we're all going to face sorrows. And the question is, how do we respond and here's the promise that God's given to us, 1 Corinthians 10. He's going to make sure that we don't get more than we deserve. That's what it says, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Man, people got problems, you got problems. <laughs> and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, so you can overcome. I love the statement, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand because if you have a temptation and a mess going on in your life right now, you know what? God has faith in your faith. 
God has faith that you can overcome. God has faith that you can endure and come through it because he wouldn't let the mess be what it is today if he thought it would wipe you out. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that he caused it, but you have to walk through it. And if you keep your eyes fixed ahead on the author and finisher of your faith, you'll see the way out that he's provided. Right? Amen. So have confidence that God's behind you, that God believes in you and God supports you. Too many times the victim says, why? Why was I born into this family? Why did I get such a weird brother? What? Why did I get laid off? <laughs> Why did this happen to me? But the victor says, but the victor says, where's the answer? They're not asking why, they're asking, what's the next step? How do, I, how do I steer out of this problem and out of this situation? And we have to change the title of the next chapter of our life. I mean, yes, this, this, this mess happened in, in chapter 22, but I'm going to write the story of chapter 23, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk the situation out, uh, and, and I'm going to write my and declare my victory and declare that I will overcome, right? And what happens is, too many times we get confused regarding, regarding success. We confuse what success is and, and what I would call the rewards of success. In other words, if you're where God wants you to be, and you're fulfilling the responsibilities that he's given you, you're successful. You're successful. <laughs> if you know that you know that you're supposed to be working at that place uh, where you are, and, and, and it's not pretty, it's not perfect, and, but you're there every day, you're successful every day you show up. Did you get the raise and the promotion that you thought you deserved? I know, but uh, those are the rewards uh, of your success, but success is being faithful to the vision. Success is being faithful to God's plan. Success is following God's plan when nothing lines up and confirms that you're following God's plan. <laughs> right? So, so let me put it this way. Success is not the raise, the promotion, or the, or the recognition. Those are the rewards of staying faithful to the vision. It, it, listen, if you don't consider yourself successful until you see something good happen, then you're only inches away from considering yourself a failure. If you don't consider yourself successful until you see something good happen, then you're only inches away from considering yourself a failure. I, I'm successful every day. I show up and do what I know I'm called to do. I look at the story of Joseph in Genesis, and you talk about a mess that seems to last a lifetime, a mess that doesn't see any rewards, any success, or any promotions. Uh, we have the story of, of Joseph in, in Genesis, and, and you guys know the story. He has a dream, and he tells his brothers the dream uh, that he sees that one day they're all going to bow down to him, and so they get mad. They're jealous. They want someone to kill him, so they decide, hey, you know, let, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him as a slave. They sell him into slavery. He's taken into Egypt. Potiphar ends up buying him. He's at Potiphar's house to, for well over a decade. He's treated as a slave, but, but he shows himself faithful, and, and he becomes the head of all Potiphar's house. He's managing the ranch. He's over the farm. But, but there's one thing that he wasn't over, and that was Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's out traveling, and Joseph's in the house taking care of everything, and, and Potiphar's wife has the hots for Joseph. So she begins to lure him, tries to seduce him, and she, he's like, no, no, everything my master has given me charge over except you, and I'm not touching you. So she, she basically rapes the guy. She starts pulling his clothes off, but he was so committed to the call of God that he says no. And he ends up running out of the house naked, leaving his clothes behind She's mad. She turns it all around when Potiphar comes back and, and look, his clothes are here. He tried to rape me, right? Now he's accused of rape, found guilty, in prison. He's in prison. We don't know how many years this imprisonment goes on, 
But the Pharaoh gets mad at his butler and baker, has them thrown into prison. They each have a dream. Joseph interprets it. He says to one, he said, in three days, you'll be restored to your, to your position. The other guy, the baker, he says, in three days, you're gone. Right? It all came to pass. And so as the butler's going back to Pharaoh, Joseph says, hey, remember me. Put in a good word for me to Pharaoh. Two years later, when the king has a dream that no one can interpret, the butler finally is like, oh, yeah. Remember when you threw me in prison two years ago because you're mad at me? There's a, guy, there's a guy that interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret it your dream. So they bring Joseph, and he interprets the dream. He says there's, there's going to be seven years of blessing, seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine, seven years of hardship, and you need to plan for the future. Pharaoh was so impressed. He put him as the number two guy over all the nation. He says, you lead, you lead us, prepare us for the future. And so Joseph's collecting food, building warehouses, storing up food and grain so that they could get through the seven years of famine. His own family comes to Egypt because they heard that they had grain. They came to buy food so they wouldn't starve and die. His own brothers that had sold him into slavery, watch this, 22 years earlier, a 22-year mess Joseph has walked through. <laughs> And now his brothers show up and look at his response. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I love what the message Bible says. It says this. Don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. I love that. God turned his mess into a message that saved lives. Amen? And basically, in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. When Joseph said, you intended evil against me, harm to me, the, you know that word, what's interesting, that word intended is taken from a Hebrew verb that traces back to the meaning of to weave, as in the sower weaving a, a, a tapestry. In other words, Joseph, Joseph is saying, hey, you wove evil, but God rewove it together for good. You intended to weave an evil path for me, but God rewove it and turned it for good. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. How many love God here this morning? Yeah? Amen. God's got it figured, God's got it figured out. We just need to settle down and say, hey, God's got this. I'm putting my faith and my trust in God. And he'll get it done somehow, some way. And, right? And point number six, our misery will often become our ministry. Our misery will often become our ministry. The mess you had last year, 10 years ago, that you don't want to talk about. God might be wanting to use you to, to release that story, to release that encounter so that you can help others. And so that, as he said to Peter, so you can strengthen the brothers, you can strengthen the sisters. And remember, Jesus said, when you've repented, and Jesus already knew that he was going to come, come through the trial, but he wanted him to experience it so that he could strengthen the brothers. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's a, it, it's a prescription for us as believers and followers of Christ. It says this, God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we be, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. 
So what's he saying? Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, when you come in contact with other people that, that rejected Christ, rejected their faith, said no to God, you can come alongside them and comfort them and say, hey, man, I, I've walked in your shoes. Wait till you hear what I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I denied Christ on the very night that he was on trial. I denied it. I knew him. And so he's like, and so he's like remember, Peter, what I did for you. It's that God forgave us and that God comforts us so we can come alongside those and comfort them and we come alongside those that are hurting and wounded in the same place that we were. And we take our woundedness and we turn it into comfort to comfort those who've gone through like trials and tribulations and difficulties. And here's what I love about Peter. It was on the day of Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. And this eruption of the power of God takes place. People come running from everywhere. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? And it's in that moment that God taps Peter on the shoulder and he's like, hey, you're up, slugger. Peter's like, oh man, I let you down in public, but now I'm going to stand up for you in public because there's always redemption for the biggest of mistakes that we make always. And so Peter stands up and he preaches the first message that we see recorded in church history by one of the apostles and 3000 people make a commitment and a decision to follow Christ as their Lord and savior. Amazing. So here's, here's how we close this out. Number seven, never be afraid to share your messy story to point others to the Messiah, to Jesus. Never be afraid to share your message, your messy story, because our test, our test becomes our testimony. And that's what happens. I mean, here's the one thing that I'm going to ask you to do to put this message into action in your life. And, and, and I want everybody to do this. I, I dare you to pray. Ask God to send people across your path that are in a mess that you've walked through. God, intersect my life with those that have gone through this difficult time. God, let me use my pain for the gain of those that are around me. Can we do that, church? Can we do that, tree of life? Can we do that? Anybody here? Yeah. Amen? Hey, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. And you know, the thing, the, the, just the crazy thing about it is, and I don't know where you're at, I, know what, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in your life, but, <clears throat> but we've gone through some situations, obviously. And, uh, and, and the thing, you know, it, it's just, it's my life message, honestly, because for so long, um, I always felt like, and, and I, you know, we, jo we joke sometimes and talk about just things that I've done in, in my life. And, and, uh, you know, I was kind of the rebel of the family <laughs> for a while. I always felt like the black sheep. I just felt like that for years. You know, I just felt like I couldn't get over that emotional thing in me with that. And, and then I just realized, man, you know what? I, it's, <laughs> I, I, I didn't make the be best decisions and I had messes in my life, but, but man, those things have become the strongest part of my message. And, and it's been just a, a strength that we have that's just like amazing when we minister to people uh, out, of, out of that story that we have. And, and, and it's just, it's an amazing thing what God will do. And, and maybe you're battling and maybe you've made decisions in your past that you're still, you're still dealing with. And maybe you feel like, yeah, well, I'm the black sheep. <laughs> it's a terrible feeling to feel that way. And we joke about it and stuff, but honestly, there's, there's like some root in there that, that just kind of, uh, 
It kind of stifles you in so many ways. But, but praise God, man, God's here today to say that, hey, you know what, that mess it is gonna be your message. It's part of who you are. It's part of the story. It's part of the greatest story ever told. It's part of the story of the Bible because the whole Bible is about turning your mess into your message, right? So many people that God dealt with and the things that they overcame, it's like, oh my gosh, man, I, 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 I'm doing the same thing. So I just love how God has, has done that for us. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes and we're going to close in prayer. Father, I thank you for those that are going through something that they're, they're smack in the middle of a, of a mess right now. And God, there's, there's no light. It seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like a dark pit. There seems to be no hope. There seems to be no answer. But God, we know that, that you are greater. And so we speak light into that situation, into that darkened situation. God, we speak and claim answers, insight, and revelation in Jesus' name. I pray that you would take the messes of our life and that you would take those that that we can help other people avoid the mistakes we've made or help others through the trials and tribulations that, that we've walked through, God. And most of all, we declare that today we're going to take our eyes off our mess and we're going to keep them on our Messiah, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Provider. We keep our eyes on Jesus for he is the light of the world, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I pray that you strengthen each and every one here that is walking through that and battling those battles in their mind even of what they've done or their past. And Lord, we just say today that today is a new day. We say that today, God, we just lay all those things at your feet, knowing that you take those and you turn those completely around. Help us to have the confidence and hold our heads high, God, knowing that, that you have our back and that you've turned our mess into a message that will impact others. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.